to be a wood turning demonstrator, you've got to have several different things. You've got to be technically skilled. You've got to be able to talk about and explain what you're doing while you're doing it. You've got to be able to keep going even when things aren't going exactly your way. You've got to push through it. You've got to keep smiling. You've got to, <laughs> you've got to be entertaining. Welcome to Remodel Your Life. We are shining the light on women working in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female cabinet maker in California in bringing together kitchen remodeling and working with your hands for a living. Welcome your host, Camille Finan. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me today. We've got a little mini episode where we're going to check in with one of our first guests that we had, which was Ashley Harwood, who was a wood turner. And we're going to see what she's been doing this summer. And she's been doing a lot of traveling. And I thought this was a really good episode to show how she makes a living off of teaching and traveling as well as her regular wood turning business. And I thought this is kind of a nice little thing for maybe you guys to think about. There might be a way, a skill set that you have where you could expand your reach and maybe get to a little bit of a bigger group of people by sharing your skills by traveling a little bit. So I thought this is a really good show for that and to show what's possible. So listen in and next week we're going to have a special guest, Emma, who's going to be sharing what it's like to be a basically first year apprentice working in high-end residential carpentry. She's here in San Francisco. So this is a really, really fun episode and she's got some amazing skills and a really incredible life leading up to where she got to today. So listen in. Well, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad you made it. You made it back. When did you fly back in? Oh, I flew back on, I flew back on Wednesday. I booked the dumbest flights. Oh no. I had, I had three separate flights going each way. So it's like 17 hours of travel. Oh my God. <laughs> wow. And so how many days were you actually in Paris? Did you get to like relax a little bit? Um, actually in Paris for two days. Nice. And what did you, what did you end up doing? Well, I have a girlfriend who lives there and she's a photographer. Her husband is an oyster farmer um, and my friend Annie. Yeah, <laughs> you're quite a couple. And my friend Annie was with me. So uh, we just kind of met up with them. They were actually just getting in from Vegas the same day. Oh my God. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So well, we just like went to a little cafe down the street and drank a bunch of wine and ate some pizza and, uh, and caught up with each other pretty much. That yeah. was about it. That's awesome. And then did you guys go to any museums or anything while you were there or just kind of relaxed? We didn't go to any museums. Um, we just kind of relaxed and we walked around an area of Paris called the Marais. Mm -hmm. I'm butchering it. That's my American pronunciation of it. I mean, there's just a lot of cool little cafes and shops and things like that. You know, Courtney, um, I think because she lives there, she doesn't really want to do a lot of the touristy stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So we kind of, we did that and we went to a gallery that um, another friend of mine, a woodturner had recommended. 
that was in that area. I'd have to look up the name of it for you. Mm-hmm. And ate at this tiny, tiny little Italian place. So there was like, I don't know, maybe six or seven tables and that's it. It's like a closet of a restaurant. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> apparently, According to Courtney, she said that's the only Italian food that her Italian friends will eat in Paris. Oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> we went there and Courtney and her husband went home and Anne and I walked around, you know, some of the more touristy areas. I always like to, uh, I always like to go back and revisit the areas like my old stomping grounds from when I was studying over there. Mm-hmm. So we went and uh, we went to Place Saint-Michel. We walked past Notre Dame. We walked past Le Col des Beaux-Arts, where I used to go. Mm-hmm. And my old neighborhood on Rue du Bac, right next to the Musée d'Orsay. And of course, it's I think it's beautiful to walk down there at night. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. The weather was absolutely perfect. That's great. And you got you got some cute pictures, I assume. We'll have to put a couple of those up. Yeah, we got a few. Nice. That's good. So tell me about, like, tell us about the training that you did and maybe what the difference is between the two countries that you just went to and maybe, you know, what the different styles of teaching or different scope of teaching that you did. So people kind of understand, like, you know, what actually happens when you're there. So Paris was just for fun. I wasn't actually working when I was there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the first Um, trip was, the first trip was um, Nova Scotia, right? Oh gosh. Well, that was a couple of trips ago. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like you, well, no, you did. You, didn't you do Nova Scotia and then you did Spain? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so, right. so, so talk about, you know, Nova Scotia first and then Spain first, and then maybe the differences in the teaching style or size or, you know, what's different about the two countries and trying to teach the same thing to different groups of people. Okay. Well, um, the style of what I was doing was different. And, you know, before that, there was Hawaii. We didn't mention that one. Mm-hmm. Either. You can talk about that, too. Okay. Yeah. So when I go to teach, there's different things that I might be doing, or I might be doing all of them. Sometimes I'm just giving a demonstration where I'm standing up in front of a group, and I'm showing them what I do and talking about it as I'm doing it. And I try, I really try to explain the cuts and explain how they work and why they work. Whereas some people kind of just get up and they're like, look at how awesome I am. This is what I can do. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So I I try and give good explanations and I try and do as thorough of a job as I can in answering questions about any of them. So Hawaii and Spain, those were both trips where I was demonstrating at a wood turning symposium. Uh, They're both relatively small symposiums. The Hawaii Symposium only has one visiting demonstrator. And uh, they had a couple of regional demonstrators, but I'd say maybe there were like 80 to 100 people attending, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's not not a huge symposium. Everybody knows each other. I don't know. It, it, it's a very, you know, it's a family kind of a feel. They, they put it on every year. And it's just, just that. I did multiple demonstrations. I did... Uh, my typical like push cut bowl turning demonstration. I get to send the shavings flying all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a square bowl demonstration, which I don't do all that often. It's a little bit more of a challenge, but it's uh, making something where it looks like it's a small. It looks like a small bowl kind of coming through a board. Yeah, and I was I was curious about that. I was like, what? I don't understand this concept of a square bowl. I I'd, I'd seen you talk about that before. 
and I don't huh? really understand the the reason for it or the does the flat part sit on the ground and the bowl is on top of that like is it well it's not a, it's not really a functional piece okay that's yeah, that, that is, okay we, we, i was wrong i wasn't wrong in that okay so it's more of like a design challenge and a technique mm-hmm. challenge to really push yourself yeah exactly and it's a chance to show off a certain technique that's called negative rake scraping mm. And talk about some of the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to sort of push the limits and get people thinking about what you can do on the lathe, because you don't typically think of turning something square. Right, exactly. Yeah. I also did a, a jewelry demonstration for them. So turning some small beads and, and showing some simple ways of how to put that together. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's only so much you can do in an hour and a half long demonstration. And I turned one of my sea urchin ornaments for them with a, with a fine fiddle. Mm-hmm. and show how I put that together. And, uh, of course, my luggage was lost on the way there, so I was <laughs> doing most of this with somebody else's tools. Oh, no, that's right, because your gouges are in your suitcase. Oh, no. Yeah. And they eventually yeah. showed up, though, right? They eventually showed up. So that's happened four times this year now. Oh, Wow. <laughs> is there just no way that you can put your gouges just carry them in a backpack and and no, <laughs> no. so they won't let you or they're or it's too heavy yeah no oh okay you can't do this on the plane wow so you just have insurance mm-hmm. on them i don't but i probably should <laughs> okay note to self <laughs> get lost, always show up i mean the, the yeah. bigger issue is that i have to get up and do what i do regardless that's so really scary. Yeah. Uh. Tools. And it's and it's more scary to me as well when it happens in another country because then I'm really not sure if I'm going to get it back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. I didn't even think about that. So it is yeah. actually kind of risky to travel with your – that's literally like your life's <laughs> tools, basically. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I've gone through some tools in my life, and I figure with all the traveling that I'm doing and all the teaching that I'm doing, at some point, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to lose it. I'm not going to get it back to me. Yeah. That's just not going to happen. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah. So how many days were you in Hawaii then teaching? So the teaching was, I'm trying to remember now, it's either two or three days. Symposiums are usually a weekend type of an event. And then after that, I, I stayed in Hawaii and a friend came over and met me and we traveled around some because I'm not going to go that far and not. <laughs> right. Exactly. The, actually, did you see that that volcano erupted? Yeah. Yeah. So one, <laughs> one of my favorite things that we did in Hawaii was we uh, we hiked up to see the lava at um, Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, and that mm-hmm. volcano just erupted a few days ago. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. cool. Good. So and so then you were back home for a few days, I think, and then you left for Nova Scotia, right? Yep. Yep. I left for Nova Scotia. So Nova Scotia was a little different because I was teaching multiple days of hands-on classes. I had my first all women's class in Nova Scotia, which was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I had um, uh, three other days of teaching. So it was four days all together. And one of those days I had an evening demo for the wood turning club that's in Nova Scotia. So there's a, there's a company called Lee Valley and they have a, a really nice catalog. They sell a few wood turning tools and they sell one type of lathe, but they actually have quite a bit of interest in wood turning classes at their facilities. Um, and they're all over Canada. I have taught at the, the Lee Valley store in Ottawa as well. 
um, they set up these classes and they do kind of a, um, they have an event once a year where they have a whole bunch of different classes lined up and the local wood turning club is, is off some of their work. You know, they have certain new competitions that they're entering pieces into. So they, they make it a thing once a year. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, so they brought me in for the classes this year. And then the local club kind of piggybacks off of the Lee Valley people. And they say, well, you're going to bring these people in and we're going to have them <laughs> do a demonstration for our, for our local club. So that total trip was like six days, I think, something like that. And how many women did you have in that class that you taught? It was six women. They, they had, six, I think I'm remembering, I think it was about six lays in the room. So each student has their own lay. Nice. And these are all mm-hmm. beginners, right? No, actually, uh, there's one woman that takes, I think, pretty much every class that they have there. Hmm. And she's hmm. the former president of the of the club up there. So she's experienced a whole bunch of you know, different types of instruction. She signed up for every single day of my teaching because she's like, you know what, Ashley, I've taken classes from all these different instructors. I've tried all these different types and styles. And I really just I, I think yours looks like it would be a really good fit for me. And I, I really want to learn what you're doing and have that ingrained in me and just forget everything else. So that's how I feel. That was kind of nice. <laughs> when yeah. I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn from you. That's how I feel. Yeah. I've seen you work. I, you're very, very efficient uh, on the lathe and uh, which can be mistaken for it being very simple, but actually it's the opposite because you're so good at what you do. You have figured out the simplest way to present it, but it's actually quite powerful. You know what I mean? So I think the best teachers are like that. They can streamline it down to like the absolute <laughs> essential, really powerful parts of that technique. And I, I absolutely see that when I watch you turn. So uh, I can, it doesn't surprise me that she sees it too. <laughs> okay. So, so Nova Scotia was, was fun and you did a lot more teaching, it sounds like. And then you went to Spain though. And so what was it like going to Spain? Because I remember that was a little bit of a bigger symposium, correct? There's a bigger crowd there. Yeah, so the one in Spain was different. There's not a whole lot of organization, at least not yet, around wood turning in Spain. Not to say that there aren't a lot of wood turners. There's a bunch of wood turners everywhere in the world, pretty much every <laughs> every corner of the world, every nook and cranny, there's a wood turner somewhere. Mm-hmm. There's just not a whole lot of structure and organization around it in Spain. There is a wood turning club in Asturias, which is where I was on the northern coast of Spain. And they combine forces with a company called Torni Fusta, which is, I think they said it was the only company in Spain that sells lathes. Hmm. I find that so hard to believe, but yeah, mm-hmm. there's only one. And they put on this symposium once a year. It's different from the symposiums that I do in the States because they actually open it up to the public. I think because it is this, you know, the company that's trying, they're trying to sell tools and equipment. So they open it up to the public and they probably have a, a couple thousand people coming in throughout the course of the weekend. And they're just sort of like drifting in and, you know, coming in, watching for a little bit, walking around, looking at all the, the pieces that are on display from the various turners that have showed up. Mm-hmm. So they have like the public demonstration area and then they have a, a private demonstration area for the members of the club. So they can get up a little bit closer. They can ask more, you know, detailed technical questions, that type of thing. And they have translators for both of these, which it was my first time working with a translator. It was it was an interesting thing because I have to, you know, there's a lot of trust that's involved. I have to trust that he's explaining things exactly the way that I mm-hmm. want them explained. Yeah. 
and uh, and I was I was learning a little bit a little bit of the uh, the terminology around turning at the same time. Uh, but it, it was good for me that that there was a translator because I got really sick before I left on that trip. I had no voice. Mm. I had I had a fever. It the back of my throat felt like it was on fire. So mm. <laughs> and then you had to if, perform if in had, front of all these people. Wow. Right. And you, I went to the doctor and I was like, please tell me there's something you can do. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't suppose you could just you could just postpone this work trip. I'm like. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, this is not one of those. And did your gouges show up though, at least on that one, on the Spain one? Yes. So it it was lost again and they did show up literally just in time. Oh, wow. That's good though. At least, at least you're using your own tools for that. Yeah. But we still did, um, you know, we took the time to to gather up somebody else's tools and I was just about to start regrinding everything when my bag showed up. Oh man. Wow. Because that's even if, you know, even if I'm, you know, lucky enough to have somebody who's nice enough to let me use all their tools, I'm probably going to be changing all the grinds on them. Right. So changing all the angles to suit the way you want to do it. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Thanks again for listening this far. We're going to take a quick break. And I'm going to tell you about a product I just love that helps support this show. Hey guys, I'm here putting away just the last of my Blue Apron box. You know, it only takes a few minutes to put all the food away. I absolutely love that. Everything's individually wrapped. And I was thinking about the fact that I can't stop talking about Blue Apron. And uh, I had another thing that I thought of last week. I had some of my neighbor girls come over and I've been using Blue Apron to teach them how to cook and they absolutely love it because they get to unpackage all the little items. They get to learn new vocabulary words. All the words are on their recipe card. They can look them up. We can talk about them. They get to learn all new different ways of cooking, right? Chopping, dicing, all kinds of different kinds of recipes that they wouldn't normally get access to. And I really believe that it's great if you're a kid to be introduced to more unusual foods, not just all the same stuff. It gives you a much wider palate when you're a grown up. So I just noticed that these girls absolutely love cooking. They love cooking side beside me. And it just makes for a really, really fun evening. And they like all the different interesting recipes too. We've made homemade pizzas together. We've made homemade hamburgers together. We've made pastas together salads together, all kinds of things that they normally wouldn't really have access to making. That's why I love it. Once again, Blue Apron has basically pulled out the best parts of cooking. So if you want to experience this cooking style Blue Apron with maybe a child in your life, I would highly recommend it. You're going to save money. There's going to be no hassle, no food waste, and the kid is going to absolutely have a blast. Sign up today. It'll help my show. And I really thank you for your support. Go to remodelyourlifepodcast.com forward slash blue apron and save $30 off of your first week. And tell me about your experience with cooking with a child. I'd really love to hear the story. So, and so how did you get invited to each of these three, you know, Hawaii, Nova Scotia, Spain, what's the common thread there? Like, how did you get invited to these things or how does, how does that, you know, happen? 
I mean, do they just send you an email? Like one day you get an email saying, Hey, do you want to come yeah. to this thing? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, they basically, they send me an email and they say, Hey, we would like to have you as our demonstrator, but more, you know, how do you get to that point? Mm-hmm. Well, you, you got to have a lucky break to start off with. You got to have somebody that's like willing to, to take a chance on you and, and let you get up in front of a group. I suppose the beginning of it is, you know, I started out by going to these symposiums and meeting people and talking to people and saying, you know, yes, this is something that I want to do. Mm-hmm. I would actually, mm-hmm. um, I would attend a lot of demonstrations and because I knew that this was what I wanted to do, I, I would have my laptop there and I would be taking notes. And a lot of the times when I was taking notes, it wasn't so much, I mean, there was a little bit of taking notes about the techniques, but really I wanted to learn how to demonstrate. Mm-hmm. So I would take notes mm-hmm. on people's demonstrations and I would, I would write down what I thought they did that was successful and what I thought could use a little improvement and, Tried to take as much as I could in, in learning from other people's demonstrations in that way. You know, that happened, and I eventually uh, started getting a couple of my own demonstrations. I would apply to the National Symposium every year to, to be a demonstrator. And uh, a couple of times I've got accepted. Nice. And nice. after that, it's just a matter of you, you got to show up and you got to bring it. Yeah. With wood turning, if you show up and you do a really good job, you will get invited back. And if, if they think you did a good job, all these clubs talk to each other, all these people talk to each other. And, you know, a lot of times they ask me, you know, who do you think is a good demonstrator? Who, do you, who should we have next year? So I guess it's a lot of, it's a lot of networking, but in, in general, just showing up and being the best person that you can be. And it, it just builds on itself. I think the biggest compliment is when you get invited back to someplace that you've already been. Mm-hmm. So what would, what would dictate a bad demonstration then? <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, Ooh. like what would you consider a bad demonstration? Well, to be a wood turning demonstrator, you've got to have several different things. You've got to be technically skilled. You've got to be able to talk about and explain what you're doing while you're doing it, which is a whole nother skill than just being able to turn you've got to be able to keep going even when things aren't going exactly your way. Mm-hmm. You've got to push through it. You've got to keep smiling. You've got to <laughs> pretend like you get to do it. <laughs> right. Exactly. And you've got to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Engaging. That's what I was kind of thinking as well. Able to like engage with the audience a little bit and bring them in, in, you know what I mean? Instead of just like you said, some of the older guys just, just doing the same thing and you're just watching them, but it doesn't feel very interactive. Right. So you've got to be entertaining. You've got to be engaging. You've got to be an effective communicator. You've got to be somebody that people want to listen to. Mm -hmm. So some of the things that I've seen that are just really not good is when somebody just, uh, they're up in front of the room and they just just sort of put their head down and they don't really talk. Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. some people tell really bad jokes. (laughs) <laughs> I tell really bad jokes too, but I try and make them so bad that they're then funny again. Right. <laughs> That's funny. So you're trying to be charming <laughs> while you're up there. I mean, some people think the most important thing is to finish the piece. And it is, it is nice to have a finished piece, but you know, some of my demonstrations, I, I finish a piece and some of them I'm not even trying to. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud with the audience about that. I said, this is not what this is about. It's more about, you know, seeing, these techniques and, and learning these skills. 
And I might show them, you know, several different things on one piece of wood, for example. Mm -hmm. Do you ever pull a student up out of the audience and have them cut or do something with you in front of everybody? Well, one thing that I have done that's kind of funny. Uh, Well, now I'm going to give it away. Uh, (laughs) Don't worry. Nobody's listening. (laughs) Yeah. At the end of my bowl turning demonstration, I will, um, I, I put the bowl on a, what's called a jam check to finish the bottom of the bowl. And that's something where I'm, I'm creating another, a second piece of wood that is exactly the same size as the opening of my bowl and literally jamming the bowl onto it. And mm. I like to get a really, really tight fit because the last thing I want to have happen oh, is God, yeah. oh, God, for yeah. that piece to fly off <laughs> while I'm in the demo. So, there's a little trick that I, I have to use my tools for to be able to get it off. But one thing I, I like to do is ask for a big, strong man in the audience that, who wants to come and help me pull my bowl off at the jam chuck. Oh, every, every now and then I'll get somebody who comes up and tries, but they, they, I never have had somebody be able to get it off yet. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a setup. <laughs> yeah. 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 Nice. I like that. First I've done, uh, Whenever Stuart's in the audience, I feel like I have to get him back. When I was learning with him and I was apprenticing with him, he would call me up and he would say, my lovely assistant is going to come up and, uh, and sharpen my tools for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I've, I've done the same thing to him. Nice. That's good. My lovely assistant, Stuart Batty. <laughs> <laughs> come and sharpen my tools. I love that. Um, so what's your next trip that you have planned? Your next teaching trip, I should say. Or are you home for my, a while? Oh my God. I have no work trips for a whole month. I mm. can't believe it. Wow. Yeah. My next, next teaching trip, I'm, I'm going to the AAW national symposium, American association of Woodturners national symposium. It's in a different place every year. This year it's in Portland. And I think I'll do, I'll probably do a little bit of turning in the trade area there on the, the Woodworkers Emporium booth on, on the Bickmark Lays. But uh, I'm also going to be participating in a panel discussion that's going to be about selling, selling your work and selling your work in different forums and in different areas, uh, you know, branding and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So that's, uh, that's going on. And then I leave directly from Portland and I go to Utah where I'm going to be teaching a five-day intensive woodturning class at Craft Supplies. Hmm. Nice. And I know you also went to the Maker Central, actually. I forgot about that. So yep. after yep. Spain, <laughs> you actually <laughs> went to the Maker Central uh, little yeah. conference, right? Yep. Yep. That was in, in Birmingham. Well, I think that's not, I think you're supposed to say Birmingham or something right. like that. Yeah. But I, think, yeah. I say Birmingham because I'm, I'm a Southern girl. <laughs> that, that was cool because it's a completely different demographic than what I'm used to. Um, there, there were all different types of makers there. There was blacksmithing. There were some other woodturners. Uh, there were people there doing CNC stuff. There were people there doing leather work. There was just mm-hmm. all kinds of, there was like this 3D imaging booth, just mm-hmm. crazy stuff. And, uh, and all, all different kinds of, uh, you know, people that, that make a lot of stuff on YouTube. If you ever watch videos about how to make things on YouTube, you probably would have seen a lot of these people. 
So my friend Annie was there. Um, Anne of all trades mm-hmm. is her Instagram mm-hmm. handle. Um, Jimmy Duresta, Evan and Caitlin. Uh, there were just a, a whole bunch of people there just, just hanging out and meeting people and answering questions and sharing ideas and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it didn't necessarily have the, the focus of like a wood turning symposium where, you know, we're here to do this mm-hmm. and we're here to share ideas about this one thing. It was a little bit more open. Well, it sounds like it was just really kind of creative and crafty and meant to kind of get your inspired, your juices flowing, kind of like about what you could add on or, or learn something new or, um, yeah, yeah, it sounds, it sounds really interesting. I'll probably go next year. It sounds really fun, actually. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. And it was different for me to demonstrate for them too, because I'm not used to giving, I'm not used to giving demonstrations to an audience that doesn't necessarily know. Mm Mm-hmm that doesn't understand maybe the lathe. Maybe they've never even seen anybody turn before. So I'm, I'm used to giving very technical demonstrations. Uh, so it was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So what are you going to do with your month home? <laughs> I'm assuming you're going to be in your shop. <laughs> cutting, 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 right? Filling orders, <laughs> filling orders. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a bit of that. I'm actually getting a new CNC machine, which I'm pretty excited about. I have mm. a shape bell cup coming in in a few days. Hmm. I am, uh, I am going on another trip, but it's not for work. Good. I'm Good. actually going to be uh, traveling up to Washington, D.C. to see Nathaniel Rateliff. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, coming down and visiting another a friend of mine that lives in Asheville, uh, actually a guy who used to be an apprentice of mine. Hmm. So it'll be a nice little trip. And then, uh, yeah, getting my CNC machine set up. Pretty much just taking stock of things, probably doing some rough turning and, and getting things squared away because I feel like I've just been behind on, on everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we certainly uh, appreciate you taking a little bit of time just to, you know, just share all your travels and sort of how, you know, how you can make a living just by teaching and being on the road and sharing your skill. I think it's a very, uh, it's a unique way of being a woodworker, you know, so um mm-hmm. I think it's awesome and I'll, we'll get some pictures from you and put them up because I'm sure you've got some great, some great shots. <laughs> yeah, I do. I certainly do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we will check in with you maybe in a few months and see uh, what else you've got planned and what other big projects. Do you have any big projects planned that you're going to be working on in the shop? There's, there's a couple of big things potentially in the works. There's talk of maybe doing another Barolo table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that could be coming up. I think I'm considering rearranging some things and getting some some new machinery aside from that CNC machine. So mm-hmm. I might be doing just a lot of, of reorganization. Yeah, my, of the way that my shop is set up, and you know, everything has been. I, I didn't start this profession with a lot of money, so mm-hmm. it's been you know, yeah bit here a little bit there a little bit here you know sort of piecemeal putting everything together so now i'm at the point where it would be nice to just sort of refurbish everything and and spruce it up a bit and uh, i don't know make it look like i'm a professional (laughs) (laughs) make the outsides match the insides right yeah yeah that's awesome well we'll be uh we'll all be looking forward to that it sounds uh it sounds like you got some pretty big exciting stuff uh coming up i do i do
much for listening to Remodel Your Life. I sure have enjoyed being with you today. And if you really like our show, we'd love it if you would subscribe through iTunes. You can always send us feedback through email at Camille at RemodelYourLifePodcast.com. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Remodel Your Life Podcast. This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to RemodelYourLifePodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. Not to say that there aren't a lot of wood turners. There's a bunch of wood turners everywhere in the world, pretty much every... (laughs) Every corner of the world, every nook and cranny, there's a wood turner somewhere.